all the best podcast shows you've come to know and love had to start somewhere. They either started to press record on fun conversations without any whim of the future, or maybe they carefully calculated each step of their strategy and architected a perfect launch into the podcast world. It happens. But even if your results are slow to come, podcasts require a lot of work. The benefits in the long term, though, outweigh the effort in the short term. Trust me. Guest relationships, multiplied content that you can amplify, brand partnerships, the pros are endless. It's worth the work. So from big studio productions to the smallest niche corners of the internet, it seems some shows launch to great applause. Yes, I needed this podcast in my life. That's what we all want, right? But others fall on deaf ears. Does the perfect podcast launch follow a script? Is it a repeatable strategy that you too can replicate to guarantee success for your show? We'll explore these questions and more in this episode of the Maturity Curve series on stage two. It's launch season. I'm Lindsay Chapkema, a lifelong marketer and proud CEO and co-founder of Casted, the B2B marketing platform for brand podcasters. And I've teamed up with experts across the top sales and marketing teams in the world to detail each of the five stages of this maturity curve and what you can do to launch and grow a show with confidence. This is how B2B podcasts grow up, an original series from Casted. Special thanks to former Salesforce podcasters, Heike Young, Megan Collins, Tina Razul, all for joining me in the booth over the many years that we've been doing this show. Plus HubSpot's podcast experts, Ellie Meerman and Mike Volpe from back when they were doing shows at HubSpot for their input on how they grew a suite of connected shows and efforts across the HubSpot brand. You know, contrary to popular belief, launching a podcast is not easy. And maybe that's not even popular belief. Maybe people know that, but I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It's kind of a big deal. It's a lot of work. And to be done right, you can set yourself up for long-term listenership and loyalty. Done wrong, though, well, let's not go down that path. Let's just focus on how to do it right. What's the foundation? What do I have to get right in order to move to the finer details of a podcast launch? Megan Collins has some advice. When we first started, it was a weekly episode and we were just like running on fumes and just kind of throwing in like as many, as many amazing people as we could because we had to, you know, crank out it weekly and we had amazing content. But I think we lacked some of the, quite frankly, the structure. So I think over the last couple of years, in bringing on Connor, bringing on a producer, Sachin, who's a content marketing expert, and just bringing in humans that can help us to scale it and have some kind of structure has really helped us. So for instance, we've moved to a series approach and that's helped us to really put a lot of love and thought behind it, which I think they've turned out pretty great. And we've seen a lot of increase in new folks that are listening now too. And I think the reason for that is because we're coordinating it with our campaign side of the house. So if you're just starting out, I would be best friends with whoever's running your campaigns. Cadence, format, and distribution. These are all things that you must plan before publishing your show. Creation is important. But distribution of the final product is critical to make sure that that helpful piece of content ends up in the eyes, ears, heart, and brain of the people that you impact the most. But what does that connection look like? How can you make sure that your customers and your ideal audience resonate with your content? Not just listen to it once and never download another episode, but really 
engage with what you put out there. Ellie Meerman was the first marketing team member under the CMO at the time of HubSpot. She saw that their podcast engine grew from zero to millions of listeners across the globe. So how did she create that strong magnetization of their audience? How did she make sure that the podcast tied in with their larger brand? It was, I think, very much in line with how we approached marketing in general, where we didn't wait for other people to try it, right? We saw that there was this new way of reaching people, and it was very much in line with how we wanted to share content and education and put ourselves out there and put a human face on the brand and all of that. And, you know, there weren't a lot of examples of companies doing this, but we wanted to try it. And so it, it fit really well with that. I think there was a lot of energy internally around that sort of thing as well. And it, there was just so much momentum around it. It was a huge part of our culture. And it, there were even kind of crazy points where we had a lot of special guests, like the viewership really started to get bigger and bigger. And we used it as a I guess a launching off point where we could get one of the founders of Twitter on the show. Um, We even had MC Hammer once. Like it just seems ridiculous that these things even happened and I was there for them. And then of course, in the moment, it just, it felt like our brand was blowing up. And of course the HubSpot brand was growing, but, uh, but yeah, this, this, you know, little show, this thing that no other companies were really doing at the time became a, a really unique aspect of our, our content marketing. And here's Tina Rizul from Salesforce's Marketing Cloudcast on the same topic. A lot of what we do is evangelism. And so now with it living with under this part of the organization, we're much more intentional and thoughtful of how it impacts not just marketers, but people who really interact with us on a day-to-day basis. And so we wear multiple hats of, well, what would a marketer take away from this? What would a salesperson take away with this? Or even someone who's building product. And I think that's the beauty with marketing is just the impact that it has, both from a business, but also sentimental standpoint. Stories bring about emotions. And creating an emotional experience with your listeners is all you could possibly ask for. That's why they come back, to hear more from the people that they resonate with. Stories that make sense to them. So let's come back to that point that Ellie left us with. She brought up how important connection is, not only for your listenership and your viewers, but also for partners and collaborators as guests, too. Of the many benefits of starting an interview podcast is the relationships that you ignite on and off the air. Highlighting influential and powerful people in your industry, you'll reach more listeners and get more attention for your brand. But guest experience is critical. It's a really important element that most shows underestimate. So how can you truly blow away your guests and create friendships that benefit you, your show, and your company for years to come? It did become (laughs) apparent to me that if I wanted these guests to be repeat guests, or if I wanted them to share with their networks, like you said, if they were an influencer and they had a broad social network, part of the benefit, obviously, of getting that guest is also that you hope they're going to share it with people, of course. Right, right. And so... Yeah, it became clear to me that creating a great experience for them from the scheduling process all the way through to the interview itself down to giving them some assets for social sharing was really important. So I had a few different templatized emails. Like I'm just a sucker for efficiency. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I definitely had some templatized emails that I would use, some social graphics that I would share with them. Initially, it was just PNGs and images, but later I brought in like some audiograms and different types of videos for social sharing. But yeah, it's all an important part of the process and probably 
the apex of that experience is really the interview itself. So whether you are planning to interview the person and then just almost verbatim cut that tape and then publish it, or whether you're planning to do a more detailed type of edit with it, the interview is really everything. That's where you get all of the tape and the great moments. And so you know, I actually asked a lot of experts a while back, like people that always go on podcasts, you know, kind of what are the best podcast hosts doing to make this a good experience for you? Like, I don't want it to just be another show and then you forget about it. And there's just, I don't know, there's some simple things you can do, like being prepared, doing your homework. It sounds really simple, but not everybody does it. Also, getting to answer questions that they've never answered before. I think this is why the show Hot Ones on YouTube is so Mm -hmm. popular. The interviewer (laughs) is always asking these sometimes seemingly random, but certainly well-researched questions to all of the guests. And also just, you know, treating people, really treating them like humans and not just like interview robots. People are not dogs. You can't say, sit, stay, say a great quote. You really have to coax them into great moments of tape. Another thing that I guess I underestimated was probably just the amount of time it would take to schedule and get high quality guests, as well as just sending them swag, just basically everything having to do with external guests. It is such a beast of a job. It involves things like PR. If you're dealing mm-hmm. with high profile authors or customers, it involves things like um, like enablement. Maybe there's some salespeople that you want to capitalize on their relationships with customers. So you need to educate them about what you need and then get their customers on board. It just involves so many different pieces. Like I also had this idea early on that I'd seen other podcasters do where they mailed gifts to all of their guests. So I thought that was a really sweet idea. And that alone, that spreadsheet that I maintained of addresses, tipping gifts, it took so many hours of my life. And I think it was probably worth it, but crunched some ROI numbers to know for sure. Salesforce, the Marketing Cloudcast, and Heika spent so many resources to guarantee that they would get the best guests in the biz not just for their stories and influence on the show, but to create meaningful connections with them and their companies. A win-win for everyone involved. So timeline and logistics, check. Brand consistency, check. Guest experience, check. As you prepare for day one of your podcast, what are some other tips that you need to ensure that your launch is a success? Ellie Meerman talks about how HubSpot TV, a unique podcast recorded in front of a live audience that I remember watching back in the day, it worked to rally the troops and bring in new customers, like marketing director Lindsay from a long time ago. You know, I was really close with everyone who was involved, I suppose. And there, it kind of started not exactly as a joke, but as this almost like a pipe dream that Mike Volpe and Karen Rubin, we were, you know, we would go out and celebrate uh, various events and milestones of the company. And um, they talked about starting a show together and then it actually became a reality at a certain point. I think, you know, you joke about something enough that it actually has to become real at a certain point. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, HubSpot TV was born and I was an avid viewer. Uh, I was, uh, you know, always in the front row, went to every single episode if, as long as I wasn't out of the office. And so m- maybe it's not obvious, but this was actually filmed live uh, and streamed live from uh, one of our kind of bigger lounges, conference rooms, whatever you want to call it. 
And it was huge. I mean, every Friday, I think it was at four, everybody would grab a drink, settle in. You know, we'd have, we had like the real desk and the lights and all of the whole, the whole story. And it was a huge part of our culture. And obviously we pushed, uh, it was a big part of our marketing effort around that time too. But I think it ended up becoming a bigger aspect of our kind of internal brand uh, and culture efforts uh, more than anything else. Podcasts aren't just for your audience. They can also become a gravitating force for your own people and your own business's culture. Former CMO of HubSpot, Mike Volpe, adds on here. He was the host of their very first show, The Growth Show. There's a woman at the time who was newer at HubSpot named Karen Rubin. And she sort of thought this was an interesting idea at the same time that in marketing, my team and I were trying to figure out what to do more with video and how to be more interactive. And, you know, it's sort of like, you know, chocolate meets peanut butter kind of coming together when Karen (laughs) grabbed me. And I was like, great, like we should do a show. And, you know, in classic way, it was like, it was like, so you go figure all this out and let me know. And who else do you think should be on the show? And she was like, well, I thought it should be me. And I was like, great, why don't we do the show together? And we just kind of started. And the first couple episodes uh, were frankly terrible and super embarrassing. But by doing it, we got better and better over time. And by watching ourselves, like watching the recording of it, you're like, ooh, like you cringe a few times and like you get better. And the next time you sort of, you ask questions in a better way and you just yeah. you become more engaging and things like that. And we iterated with over time. And I, I think we did something like 200 episodes. That's crazy. So it was, it was years that we did it for. And something that grew, not a giant following, but I would say a really, really loyal following. So prepare all you can for launch. But at the end of the day, it's about you and your team enjoying the process and content creation behind the podcast. That's how successful podcasts survive. Their hosts, teams, companies, they help buy into the overall success. They're committed to seeing them out and being patient with their growth. And likewise, the audience, the more human and personal you are, we talk about this all the time, the better stories you tell and the more you connect with your listeners. Podcasts are a strong content marketing medium. Launch day is just your first step in creating a more powerful brand and relationship with your customers. So here's to day one and to all the work that you put in to get to that point. Now it's time to grow your show, but that's for another episode. So we'll be back next month with more episodes that will guide you through stage three of the maturity curve, how to grow your audience and grow your show for maximum impact. Special thanks again to Megan Collins, Tina Razul, Heike Young, Mike Volpe, and Ellie Muirman for sharing their expert advice for podcasters early in our podcasting journey at Casted and in this episode of the Podcast Maturity Curve series. I'm Lindsay Chepkema, CEO and co-founder of Casted. Talk soon.